This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. If I haven't met you, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's, it's great to, to, uh, to see all your faces here this morning. Um, well, I used to teach high school. I taught high school history before I was a, a pastor. And, uh, and one of the classes that I taught in that history kind of block was world geography. And during world geography, we would spend time in each, on each continent. And at the end of each section, I did what every uh, teacher loves and what every student loves. I'd bring out a movie um, that took place in that continent. And one of the movies that I think the only movie really that I could think of that t- takes place in Antarctica, because we did have to go over that, I know we talked a lot about penguins and other things like that, um, was, was this documentary um, called Endurance, and it was about Ernest Shackleton. And Ernest Shackleton was an, adv- was an adventurer, he was an explorer, who wanted to be the, the person that went and, and found... Uh, Antarctica, essentially, to try and go across it, the first person to do it. This was in uh, the early part of the last century. And this was his ad in the paper. He, he wrote this. He said, Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. This was, he was trying to get people to come, right? So, so he's trying to get people on board, and this is what he writes. Constant danger. Look, this is what you're signing up for. You're signing up for danger. You're signing up for peril. This is a perilous adventure, a perilous journey that could potentially end in your death. This is what you're signing up for if you're going to come with me. And, and if you have not read, there's two documentaries. One's called Endurance. The other's called Nor- uh, South, I'm sorry called South, and there are documentaries on it. You should watch it. It's amazing. It's an amazing adventure because they get stuck in the ice. They try to make it off. They wind up in different... I won't even ruin it for you, but it's, it's, a, it's made for a movie, all right? You should, you should, you should read the books if you, or if you uh, enjoy reading. Um, but this was a perilous adventure. This is something that he was calling people to do, and actually people signed up for. People signed up for this perilous journey. And you think... Who would do that? Who would sign up for such a journey? Who would sign up for something so perilous that, that death might be the end of it? And I'm here to tell you, Christian, you have signed up for such a journey. You, Christian, have signed up for such a journey, for a time like this. You, you have signed up for this perilous journey. Safe return, doubtful. Because, here's the big idea for this morning, because following Jesus is a call to less. And you might say to yourself, well, wait a second. I thought that following Jesus is a call to more. Because because when I follow Jesus, it's supposed to be about more. There's something more that I'm supposed to take here. There's something more for me. When I I hold on to Jesus, there's more. Like I, I gain something. I don't lose something. And I would say, yes, in a sense that's true. Because what you do gain is hope and joy and eternal life. 
and, and the, the comfort of knowing that whatever situation you find yourself in, it is under the authority and the hands of the God who has pursued you and loved you and saved you. So in one sense, it is more, but in a very another sense, it's less. Because the one thing that we value in this life and just you know, when in our natural state, without God, we don't think about it. And the one thing we value in this life is us. We love some of us. You love some of you. And I love some of me. I want more of me. I like, I like having what I want. I enjoy it. I want to, I want to get a, a whole lot of stuff that I appreciate and I can go and do it. So do you. We, we like having the things that we like. We like having the dreams that we have. We like having the future we envision. We, we like having the things that we've worked so hard for. We want to have them. We want it to be about us. If our life could look just like everything that we want, we would love that. But what Jesus calls you to is not what you want, it's not you, it's not your preferences, it's not your concerns, but he's calling you to him and his concerns and his preferences and his plan for you, which sometimes that is not anything that we want. I think if there was an ad, uh, it would say, um, men and women wanted to follow uh, a person named Jesus. Perilous is the journey. There's moments of darkness. Long seasons of valleys. Constant danger and trouble. Safe return, maybe. Death is the end. But, but, honor and recognition when you see him face to face is the reality. This is, the, this is the call, Christian. It's following Jesus. And look, we are into a section, in Mark, I said this, that is dangerous for us. You know why? Because Jesus is going to start talking to his disciples and through the scriptures, us, about the way of the cross and the way of the Messiah, which isn't the way of joy-filled life without any danger. It's not the way of, hey, whatever you want, do it. It's not the way of eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's not the way of, if it feels good, do it. It's not any of that. It is, take up your cross and follow me. And we need to, we need to get this because what Jesus tells Peter and the disciples and what he's going to communicate to us here through the Scriptures that reality of what it means to follow Jesus did not stop in Mark chapter 8 and 9. It's not, like, it's not like when he rose from the dead, this reality went away. When he rose from the dead, this reality became way more pronounced. Because if they can kill him, well, they can obviously kill us. And we need to, we need to grasp that. This is, this is not one of those, you know, we have a lot of uh, books out there like the promises of the Bible, which are good books, fine, and they're usually like God's for you, you know, and He is. They rarely ha- include this in the promises of the Bible books. Take up your cross and follow Him, and He will He will make your path straight, or He will He will not be ashamed of you. Or, but it's it's the death part that we have to get. 
What makes this so difficult, that following Jesus is a call to less? It's one of the things I want to address here as we get to it. Why, why is this so hard for us to grasp? Because doesn't it feel like we constantly fight this? We, we constantly fight it. We, this, is why, this is why sin is, is difficult for us to break, because, man, we, we like the things that we like. Why is this so difficult for us? We're going to get into that as we, as we talk about this. I'm going to read the text here. It's going to be Mark, um, beginning in verse 8, verse 31. Chapter 8, 31, and all the way through 9, 1. And then uh, we're going to break it down, figure out how we can live it out, and then we'll continue worshiping through song and communion afterwards. But this is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Remember, following Jesus is a call to less. This is what the Scriptures say to us this morning. Then he, Jesus, began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and rise early after three days. Let me stop for a second. It was necessary that the Son of Man, now the Son of Man, we've talked about this before, is a reference to Daniel chapter 7. That the Son of Man would come and he would be given authority and power and glory to rule all of the nations. And Jesus is saying, that Son of Man, the authority that He's given, it was necessary for that one, the authoritative one, to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed and rise after three days. This is new for the disciples. They haven't heard Jesus be so open about this. Look what it, look what it says. He spoke openly about this. This is, he's been trying to hide so much the whole time. And now, now he's really trying to help the disciples to see. He wants their eyes to be open. They've been blinded, and he wants them to understand. And Peter had just confessed that he's the Messiah. And so now he's going he's gonna to be really open with them. He is going to die, and after three days, rise. And he's open about this. And Peter doesn't like it. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And this rebuking him is not small. It's like, hey, man. You know, we might say like, hey, dude, let me just say something real quick. Are you sure? This isn't what he says. This is a rebuke. This is a rebuke that's strong. He's almost, he's correcting him, saying, don't say this anymore. You, you can't be communicating these things. And Jesus, turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Never a good thing when the Messiah <laughs> equates you with Satan. That's not something that you're looking for. Uh, get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. And calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. Which actually highlights that Jesus is talking about discipleship and mission. Whoever's going to lose his life for me and the gospel, as you proclaim the gospel, whoever loses his life will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? This life is not worth living for if it means that, that you don't gain me. What can anyone give in exchange for his life? 
For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man, going back to Daniel 7, the authoritative one, the one who rules all things, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Then he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. This is Jesus mixing uh, and mincing no words. These, these, are, these are the kind of texts as a preacher where you kind of feel like, man, this, is, this can be heavy. Because we live in this, this strange age here in, Christian, in American evangelical Christianity where the most popular preachers never say stuff like this. The most popular preachers talk about, no, no, your life is... is you know, you live your best life here. Like, this is, you got to just be blessed here. This is all about blessing. It's about what God wants to do for you. He wants to give you all sorts of money and wealth. If only you have enough faith and trust in Him. This is what brings people. It's what put, puts butts in the seats. It's what gives money into the offering baskets. So preaching all these kinds of things. The problem is, is that that is not what Jesus says all the time. There, there are blessings to be a Christian, but really, the call for the Christian is less, not more. It's, it's dying, not truly living. It's, it's this world becoming less. We don't want to be so rooted here that we, we don't look forward to the next kingdom. And here Jesus is addressing his disciples. He's just um, talked about clarity and sight. And now he's talking about the way of the cross and following the Messiah. And why the Messiah is different than what they thought. And what we see here in terms of seeing Jesus and gaining perspective, we have to gain it. Jesus is trying to give Peter and the disciples perspective is that there's two problems that he addresses here. The first is the problem of human concerns. He says, you're not concerned with God's things, you're concerned with human things. Peter, you need to move away. You have human concerns. And I want you to notice again in verse 31 that he says it's necessary. It, it's imperative. It must happen that the Son of Man, the, the one who, who God in His glory will, will give uh, the, you know, the authority to rule the whole world um, with, with a rod of iron, it says. That Son of Man, they would have automatically connected Daniel 7. Yeah, we're looking forward to that one. We're looking forward to the king. And Jesus is saying, yeah, what you're missing is that that king that you're looking forward to, it is necessary that he suffers and that he dies and that he rises again. That's the Messiah that you're waiting for. And the problem is that Peter looks at this and he thinks in his mind, hang on for a second. If, if the Messiah who I, I, I'm looking for and the one who I know is going to you know, expel the Romans and bring about the kingdom of God, if, that, if that's true, if Jesus is this person, he can't be saying stuff like this. The Messiah can't say things like this. I think what Peter's saying is, my Jesus would never say that. The Jesus that I believe in, the Messiah that I believe in, wouldn't talk this way. So Jesus, you're mistaken. 
you, you, can't, you can't be saying stuff like this because that doesn't fit into who I think you are. I had somebody one time tell me as we were talking about the Bible, my Jesus would never do that. And I said, well, that's the Jesus of the Bible, though. So if your Jesus wouldn't do that, then what Jesus are you believing in? And Jesus looks at his disciples and Peter and makes a fairly strong pronouncement. Because Peter is, is looking at Jesus with a skewed eye, saying, maybe he's saying, I don't, I don't know if I want this kind of Messiah. It's like I've heard so many stories about newborns um, after you have an only child and they have a second child. You know, they're maybe a little older and they just love the freedom of being alone and they can't wait, you know, for the newborn to come. And then the, the newborn sibling comes and it starts to dawn on them that it's not as fun as they once thought it was going to be because now uh, they don't get all mom and dad's attention. And they're like, can we send this thing back? Like, what's going on, you know? I, I thought it was going to be a certain way, and now you're saying something different. I don't really want this now. Like, I'm not sure I want this baby sibling now. They can just take it. Take it, go away. When are, the, when are you going to send it home, you know? That's kind of what they're going. They're just going to get this thing out of here. we got to change. I want to go back to the way it used to be. And I wonder if Peter has the, wait a second, I want to go, I want to go back to the way it used to be before you're talking about suffering and dying and the chief priests and scribes not liking you. And wait, what is going on? And Jesus looks, and, and essentially what he says to Peter is, what you're saying right now is so antithetical to who I am and what I came to do that you may as well be Satan saying this to me. What, what your idea is of what I'm here for is so opposite of what I came to do, that Satan himself might as well be standing in front of me and saying this to me. You're, you're on his side right now. If you want to follow me, this looks way different than what you think it's going to look like. You may think that I'm going to come and I'm going to set up my kingdom here and all of a sudden, you know, David, David's kingdom in Jerusalem is going to start ruling the nations again and all of this is going to come to fruition and nationalism hits now and it's all about Israel. That's what you think is going to happen. That is not what's going to happen. Do you know why? That is not who Jesus is and that's not what Jesus came to do. We sometimes, and Christian, this is for you to evaluate. We want Jesus to be a certain way for you. I want you to think about you. You want Jesus to be a certain way that fits you. You'd like Jesus to be of a certain political affiliation because it fits you. You'd like Jesus to be a part of a certain temperament because it fits you. You want Jesus to be part of a certain denomination because it fits you. you. You want Jesus to have certain preferences and likes, because it'd be nice if Jesus just came along and said, everything you think and believe, yeah, that's who the Jesus is that you worship. The problem is, is that Jesus doesn't fit into our boxes. Jesus is, is the king of all things. We are meant to fit into his kingdom. He has not come to fit into our kingdom, although that would be nice. That's what we like. That is all about of human concerns. This is the problem is that we want him to fit and look like us. 
This is, not, this is not who Jesus is, and this isn't what Jesus does. The king will do what the king does, and we are called to get on board with him. And he tells this to Peter, no, you have the wrong perspective. This isn't about Israeli nationalism. This is about the kingdom of God coming, and there is only one way that this ends, where you, Peter, will find true life. And if you want it, follow me. And I say to you, if you want it, Christian, follow him. Don't follow the Jesus that you think you know. Open your Bibles and figure out who he is and follow the Jesus of the Scriptures because the Jesus of the Scriptures is the King. We want to we take uh, human concerns and we have to push them aside. You know why? God's concerns um, aren't your concerns. Isaiah tells us that his ways are not our ways. And we need to get this, but, but this is also a problem for us. The second problem is that there's this problem of God's concerns. We have a problem with human concerns because, man, we like to have those, just like Peter. But there's also this problem of God's concerns because God's concerns are on a totally different scale to you. His concerns sometimes don't make any sense to us. Right here, I'm telling you, Peter, it doesn't make any sense when he says, you're concerned about human things. You're not concerned about God's things. And I, I guarantee you, Peter thought, what are you talking about? I am concerned about God's things. I want what God wants. I want God to speak to me. I want, I want you, Jesus. Why, what do you mean by this? And in that moment, Peter could not understand what he was talking about. And actually, as he goes on, I wonder if the the doubt and the confusion went on because if you look here at verse 34, he says, calling the crowd. This is no longer now. Jesus is, is less about hiding. Notice, calling the crowds now with the disciples. He said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, to us, we just think, okay, yeah, I've heard that before. But imagine being in a, in a place and in an era where the cross was a horrific means of execution. And you didn't hear, like we think metaphor, take up a cross, we put it on our shoulder and we follow after Jesus. Yep, that's exactly what we do. Here, that idea would have been like, t- you know, take your own um, electric chair, you know, drag it along and follow me because you're going to have to use it sometime. Or whatever, take your lethal injection, follow after me, because you're going to need to probably at some point it's going to happen to you. This is what it means. It means your life is forfeit now. And we, we can have this um, you know, link, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a right link, to suffering and loss. Like, we need to take our preferences and we lose them, yes. But what Jesus specifically is saying here is prepare yourself to die. Not metaphorically die. Prepare yourself. If you're going to follow me, there is a real chance your life will end. And if you're looking to follow me, know that you're doing this of your own accord. You've taken your cross and you're walking with it. That's the call. 
That's the, that's the call to follow him. It's not a call to just simply say, man, I, now I follow Jesus. My life's going to be great. I'm going to have no problems. I'm just going to walk along. Everything is going to be perfect. I can't wait because I follow him and he's for me and he loves me. And I'd say he is for you and he does love you. But you know what? Following Jesus comes at a cost. Now, fortunately for us, you know, we're going we're gonna, to um, remember this week, the 4th of July, the birth of the country. We, we get to celebrate um, this Sunday and, you know, in the freedom of worship. You know, and I'm, I have prayed, I'm not going to lie, I've prayed some imprecatory prayers that people that light off fireworks at 11 o'clock at night, my dogs go crazy, would um, run out of fireworks at 8. <laughs> Hoping that that happens. But we celebrate this because we, we have freedom of worship. So for us, in a lot of ways, the actual reality of death, somebody coming up to me and say, do you follow Jesus? And they put a gun to us, is pretty small. I'm not, I don't go out and I'm not concerned about it. These guys would have been. And there's a lot of people in this world that are. And I wonder sometimes if that's hurt us, Christian. Because we can live a life where we feel like, yeah, I can follow Jesus. I can take up my cross. And what that means for us is we come to church on Sundays, maybe every week, maybe twice a month. We, we can be involved in some groups. We can serve sometimes. But on the ground, real discipleship, real living, real evangelism, real all those things, it really costs us nothing. It means nothing. And so we go to, you know, we go to Christian schools and we have our Christian dogs with our Christian cars. And it feels like, cool, like, yeah, we're good, you know. But Jesus is saying, no, following me comes at a cost. Because his plans aren't simply to just take over. His plans are to march his way to death on a cross. As the, as the first one that we are to follow to death. We, we have this um, idealized version in American Christianity that this isn't a reality. But following him means the same thing. And when we think about dying... Again, we're going to go into the metaphoric now because the reality of death, I don't think, is really real for us. Metaphorically, dying to, to ourselves, having less of us to find more of Him and how we think about our lives. As we think about what it means to follow Him, it means that we will be less. It's, this is John the Baptist. I must decrease so He can increase. In your life, you must decrease. You know why He's the King. He's the Son of Man, the authoritative one, the one who rules all things. There isn't any part of this whole universe that doesn't belong to Him. And we live in it. The kingdom, He said this from the very beginning of Mark, the kingdom has come. And His time has not yet come, but His time will come where He will be enthroned with a crown on a cross. Not really what they were looking for, but this is what he ends up doing. And it only lasted three days because we don't serve a dead Jesus. We serve a very much alive one. We sang about it this morning. His resurrection power is also ours. And we live in the good of his sacrifice for us. But I want you to notice in this that he, he is pitting things against each, itself. You, you, have to, you have to lose your life if you want to save it. It's his kingdom versus this world's kingdom. They're, they're opposed to each other. The question is, are we willing to say, yeah, all of this world has to offer, I don't need it. If God blesses me with things, finances, riches, 
a home with, with a good job, with all that stuff, that, that's him. I'm going to trust him for it. I'm going to work hard for it. But really, this life is just, it's just a, a stopgap for me. I'm living this life for a future kingdom. I want to live for him. This is what he's talking about here as he's listing all of these things and he's talking to these people, this large crowd about who wants to save his life, he will lose it. And whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. Eternal life is yours if you follow him. This life can be yours too. This, you, can, you can work really hard for everything here, but you will lose eternity with him. You will lose eternity with joy. For what benefit... Uh, for what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world? You can have it all and lose his soul. There's so many wealthy people in the world. You ask them, hey, are you happy? And they say, no. Remember John Rockefeller one time was asked, hey, what would make you happy? And he's the richest man in the world at the time, and he said just a little bit more. That's what this world has to offer. It's just, yeah, just give me a little bit more and I'll be happy. And Jesus says, you can gain all that. You know what? You're going to forfeit your soul. You want, you want a true life? You follow me. And this is a chilling uh, reminder and a chilling warning for us in verse 38 because if you're ashamed of him and his words in this adulterous and sinful generation, which is still adulterous and sinful just like it was back then, then the Son of Man of Daniel chapter 7, the ruler of all things, will also be ashamed of you. This call to follow him is not a small thing. This call to follow him is about you becoming less, your life being given for him. This is what it means to follow him. And, and he does end here in chapter 9, verse 1, that there's going to be some people standing here who won't taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power, and nobody really knows what that means. This could mean a number of things. This could mean the transfiguration, which is about to happen um, Next, we're going to talk about it, where Jesus demonstrates who he is. He reveals himself a little bit to a few of his disciples and Moses and Elijah on the mountain. It could be that. It could be the resurrection itself. It could be Pentecost. We, there's all these sorts of ideas on what that is. But here's uh, just the, the takeaway for us. All of this life is lived under the authority of the king. And he will come in power, and he did come in power. And some saw it. And we as a church get to see it because we see the gospel go forward and we see him working. Look, I bet, I bet if I were to ask you to follow Jesus for any length of time, hey, can you tell me a time where you really needed the Lord to help you and you, you saw him do it? I think you'd say, yeah. I've seen that happen. I'd say, man, isn't it a joy to see the power of God at work in you? The kingdom of God coming here we get a foretaste. We're going to talk about this next week too a little bit, but as we gather, we gather in the power of the Spirit. We gather because God's called us to gather as a local church body, and we do so with His power and with His authority. The question is, if all this is true, what makes it difficult? Here's what makes it difficult. We have human concerns, and we don't understand God's concerns. We have all sorts of human concerns. And we, we've talked about this, but distractions of social media and, and life and work and family and difficulty and friendships and all these kinds of things, drama, school, all of it, it just it distracts us. Not all those things are bad things, by the way. I mean, those are fine things, but they so distract us that we begin 
to, to forget that there's God's concerns that we need to trust him for, and we just think about us. Listen, the call to follow Jesus is a call to bless. And this is the way of the cross. This is how Jesus is going to actually be talking to his disciples here for the next couple chapters. The way of the cross is the way of loss. And to follow him means we follow him into less. What about you? Are you the kind of person that's cool with this, that goes, to less? There we go. And we need, to, we need to get that. Are you the kind of person that can grasp this and live for this? Some of you might be like, I never thought about it that way. You should think about it, which leads me to my two live it out points. The first one is this. How do we live it out? The first is take up your cross or don't, but choose. Take up your cross or don't, but choose. I used to... Um, Growing up, I used to have a problem, and by growing up, I mean like still to this day sometimes. Um, <laughs> I'm not fully mature. Um, I used to have a problem sometimes committing when people invite me to things, because in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, what if, there's, what if somebody else invites me to something else that I like, you know? I don't want to miss out. I have like FOMO. So, yeah, yeah, I might, yeah, I might come to that. It used to be a lot worse. I used to be like, maybe... And I just like go hunting for things to do that are better, you know? Like trying to evaluate what's the funnest thing I can do right now. Um, sometimes I used to have the issue. Um, I'd have my eyes somewhere else. I'd think, okay, yeah, maybe here. But I'm kind of also thinking about maybe this. We can think, yeah, maybe take up my cross, but also maybe this. That, that's not discipleship. That's not following Jesus. You can't half-heartedly carry a cross. You either take it up and walk with it, or you don't. But you got to choose. You have to choose, are you going to be a Christian whose life is given for the sake of Christ? You bear his name after all, Christian, to follow him into less of you. Is this, is this something that you're willing to do? We're purposely biblical. That's one of our values. We want to be purposely biblical as we apply it. And listen, just, there's no bones about it. It's a sacrifice to follow Jesus. It's not, it's not joyless. I don't want to think like, now we have to be ascetic people and we can't enjoy food. We don't have to eat rice cakes. And, um, you know, we have to just, you know, walk everywhere we go. Like, that's not what we're talking about. But, but it is, we hold on to what we like so much that sometimes... Sometimes we're just so consumed by it that following Jesus seems like the last thing we want to do, especially if it means uh, losing something that we enjoy. And let me say, if you're not a Christian here or watching, let me just say this. Uh, if you just think, I'm going to wait to choose, that's a choice. Your, your lack of choice, your lack of decision is a decision. Because you're either... Uh, a, a full participant in the kingdom of the world or are you a full participant in the kingdom of God? They, they don't go together. They, they don't, you know, like oil and, oil and vinegar, oil and water, they don't mix. And so we, we want to make sure that as you're hearing this, that you know that following Jesus is a choice you make, but, and it is mean less here, but like I said earlier, there is still the reality that all of the hopelessness you experience, you will only find it uh, fixed and changed in Jesus. 
It's why, it's why those of us that do follow him say, okay, yeah, it's worth it to be less because he is so much more. And we want to make sure we, we get that as we go forward. The second thing I'd say uh, in terms of living it out is that remember that he gave up his life so that you could give up yours. We don't, we don't give up our life haphazardly because of just, eh, I guess he's a nice guy. We give up our life because he gave up his life first. Remember, we're following him. He took up his cross and he went to the cross and he died a, a, a death of crucifixion where your sins were nailed to that tree, Colossians tells us. The, the, the debt that you owed was taken care of on that cross. And when he rose from the dead, he sealed uh, the reality of that forgiveness, the promise and fulfillment of forgiveness. And he lives forevermore as, a, as an approval of that reality. God says, yes, the living Christ is the one that we, we trust in. His death for you was effective and it worked. And he died. And so therefore, as we follow him, we follow him not, into, not only into his life, but also into his death. And we do so out of gratefulness and gratitude. As we see him more, as we grow, that gratefulness grows. This isn't like we just kind of sit around. If you sit around and just think, Lord, by osmosis, would you help me to understand all this? Chances are you're going to be just sitting in a confused state for a long time. This is why discipleship matters. This is why being around people matters. This is why coming into the church and serving together with people that love Jesus and we're laughing and sometimes we have hard mornings of set up and we still encourage one another and we're spending time doing that or you're serving in kids ministry and you're able to, you're able to be a missionary to the children of this church. Sometimes we say, you know, if you want to, we won't have any child care. It's not child care to be an anchor kids. It's a missions field. And as we, as we go in there, we do it to encourage one another, to remind each other that we do that for the sake of Christ because we have died to ourselves and we live for him. And may it be that children that hear from you in those classrooms uh, grow up to be saints, saints who love Jesus more than you do. That's my prayer, that people would love Jesus more than I do. So may it be so as we continue to, to think through it, you have followed him into his uh, death. He gave up his life for you so that you could give up your life for him. May it be so. Julie, I'm going to have you come up and close us here as we sing and take communion. If you haven't gotten your communion stuff, they're on the back tables. You can go grab them as we sing this next song. But what if we were a group of people? Imagine if we were a group of people who just lived for others. We were just saying, like, I'm just going to be less. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be less. I'm going to ignore the fact that it's awkward to talk to my coworker about my faith. And let me just do a side note. That's probably more on you than them because people love talking about what they believe. Where it gets to be awkward is if you become a jerk for Jesus, which I'm not advocating. We don't want to be jerks for Jesus. We want to be those that are charitable and gracious because we want to demonstrate the, the grace of the Savior that we worship, yes? We do that for his name, for his glory. Following Jesus, church, is a call to less. Will you embrace it? Peter and the disciples are going to find out pretty soon that Jesus isn't just saying that, he means it. And he means it. May we believe it and trust in it. Let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll sing, Lord, the way of the cross, the way of um, following you, 
is a sacrifice for us. Would you help us to, to recognize you are worth it? As men and women in this room, our desire, I know, I know for a, a majority in this room, a desire is to figure out what it means to live for you here. Open our eyes to see. Open our ears to understand. Lord, may we grasp it. May we live for you. Lord, use us to disciple one another as we are less and we make more of you. Use us as vessels to, to proclaim the gospel to those that are lost, that they may, they may see you for the first time. Lord, do it in us. Pray bold prayers, Lord. Do it in us. For your glory, we ask. Amen. And let's stand together as we respond in song. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.